0: Mike, Mike, and Hunter.
1: Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also Mike on the line as well. Mike, you don't watch Seinfeld, but there was an episode where Kramer is trying to talk Jerry out of marriage, and he's like, "You go to bed and she's there. You wake up and she's there. And that's how I feel about you right now. We just did this.
0: I, uh, I, I feel the same, uh, <laughs> but." It is uh, – look, it. it, it I, I got to thank you for doing this episode today. And mm-hmm. uh, this is something I put you through every year. Mm-hmm. And I say at the same point every year that I don't want to do this again next year. <laughs> and yet, here we are. But I can't help myself. I have to watch every Sundance movie possible. And, and here we are again. And, like, look it. Like, no offense, but – If I spend X amount of money on Sundance and I spend all the time to watch 32 movies in seven days, 31 movies in six days, don't we have to do at least one episode on it? Don't we have to?
1: We're going to. I don't know if we have to. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are some awesome movies at Sundance, but there were
0: not some awesome movies at Sundance.
1: Shit. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of going to be the running theme here is that you did Sundance online. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, we didn't go in person. You did online. You watched uh, an unbelievable amount of movies. Like you said, 31 movies in six days. Uh, I guess the first question would be, why? And the second (laughs) question would be, has the quality dipped out versus uh, Sundance online versus uh, previous years? so why
0: is the is an easy answer it's a sickness okay. uh, I am down with the sickness mm-hmm. uh and yes the quality did dip compared to the last two years and, and look I, I've only been doing this for three years and, and and the truth I have to say the truth off the top rope here is that yeah I think it was kind of unavoidable that the quality was going to dip this year because they had to go back to in person and I get it they had to put a lot of offerings uh you know at the at the utah festival itself and and not offer them online i get that because distributors are gonna you know hold things back and and some movies are meant for theatrical only so all of this makes sense but unfortunately it does dilute the product and if i'm gonna be belligerently against the whole press credential process Mm -hmm. which is just so stupid at this point <laughs> and, and I'm pro. I know I'm sabotaging our attempts to actually get a press credential next year. But I don't care. <laughs> but look at I. We saw Coda and Summer of Soul in 2021. I saw Living in Navalny last year, and they were both in my top fives. Those four movies in my top fives each of the past two years, and I think uh, like. This festival, the 2023, is still top heavy. I still got some awesome watches and some awesome movies. The problem is, I had to go through so many frustrating watches to get there, and it and wasn't I, cheap. No, it wasn't cheap. So I, I mean, uh, yeah, I would prefer like to pay half the price, please. Right.
1: <laughs> I wonder why that's the price. Has has the price stayed consistent the last three years? You've done this. I feel like it's gone up.
0: I mean, last, Let's put it this way: the first year it was. It was a really nice price. Like I think they didn't know what they had and they right. basically offered almost like everything for like a flat fee, whatever it was. That was I in was, the pandemic. That was, that was in the pandemic. I love that. The right. next year that I watched, I felt like, and, and the first year I watched 40 something films. The next year I watched high 30s and it cost me a lot more. It cost me, like, double. And
1: this year, I watched low 30s, and it cost me the same price as last year. Yeah, and the price is, is quite a, a heavy chunk. So if the quality and quantity is going down, that's kind of inexcusable on two wrongs. I wonder if they're phasing out Sundance online completely, if they're going to go back to just totally in-person or if this is something. It's got to be a revenue-producing stream, especially for the price they're, call, they're charging
0: the fact that they stuck with it when so many festivals went back to in person only m- means that they did well with it. They had right, to have, and, and, and so many of these films are getting sold out. So it seems like they are meeting, you know, their quotas and their desired quotas for these, you know, filmmakers and distributors. Like it's working uh, by all accounts because, you know, unless I buy them early, it gets sold out. And then I got lucky because a few films that were sold out that I missed, I was able to come back and snag tickets late for $20 a pop uh, towards the awards section. I was grateful for that. Like, that was cool. That was mm-hmm.
1: exciting. But I almost missed out on those movies, too. Right. So there are... Uh, it seems to be that the more time that is passing, the more flaws that are not rearing their head but kind of being self-induced, maybe uh, purposely induced I, I really, the inside. I really want them to continue to
0: do this. I, I want to be able to review this from a consumer's perspective in the future. I just don't want to spend this amount of money yeah, <laughs> in the future. No. So I want them to get this right. And and let me just say, I I think that if they offered more like Midnight Madness movies, I know that's Toronto's, but their Midnight section is something I've always loved. Right. And there was only like Run, Rabbit, Run, one movie from that section that I was able to, to snag. And then... Like, yeah, I was, I'm grateful that all the competition films were available online. That was really cool. But I do want more of the premieres. Like, some of the premieres are the best movies of every festival, and they're, they're more recognizable actors in those films. They're the more, you know, named filmmakers. They already have distributors in many a sense. Like, I wish there was more of a, a you know, a cross-section of those films on the online, and yet... Uh, you, there was only a few of the premieres online. So that's your, a kind of a bummer.
1: Your grade layout is kind of why I can't see myself doing this, too. I mean, the, you have a bell curve grade. Like you said, there are some highlights, but let's let's break down. You graded uh, every one of the 31 movies that you saw, uh, and I guess Infinity Pool could be number 32 there. So uh, what are your grades layout as? How does it look? Well, there's 10 in
0: the B or B-plus range, which is okay. Mm-hmm. B minus or C plus? There's fourteen. And when I started this festival, I was texting you like every one of these movies yeah, is a B minus.
1: I couldn't. No, no, absolutely not. Because <laughs> your Oscar... B minus is my like C anyway.
0: <laughs> but for Oscar pundits, like this is where we're kind of snobs. Like I want the A movie. I I crave the A movie or the B plus movie. Like, no, but the but at the, the same, like
1: I could I could do a C movie. I can't do seven C movies in the span of a week. No, and absolutely it, And it not. was
0: like starting off, I like hit like five in a row. Yeah, So that was kind of thrown my
1: laptop directly against the brick wall.
0: C or (laughs) C minuses. I had five. And then in the D range, I had two. I had two movies that I despised. And look, I don't really want to get into all the movies that I'm super negative about today. I think uh, I think that's kind of playing dirty pool. But I, I look at I I have I have endurance. I do. You I do. can I can go through a lot of movies, and that's just something I built up over. You time. watched Avatar two once. <laughs> I Did I did? So did you. So you have that endurance too. It is in you.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not. I promise you, it is there. You have the power. But well, Orion uh, or whatever came out from uh, that that Star Wars <laughs> prequel is not in me.
0: I, I did feel like I was digging for more treasure this year, and I had to dig through a lot of uh, a lot of ground. Let's just say.
1: All right. Yeah. And like you said, we're not here to like kind of pile on the the films that weren't the the greatest viewing experiences, especially those first time directors, especially those seeking uh, distribution and all that. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the disappointments just off the top and kind of get through it without kind of disparaging anyone here.
0: Yeah, I'll stay on brand and I'll mention two movies that everybody loved that I did not. And they already have distributors. So I'm I'm punching up, I guess we would say. For decent money, too. For good money and Sony Pictures Classics bought the Persian version, which I still liked I gave it a C+ however, like this is like a, a representation of the kind of movie that that bums me out because such an innovative and funny beginning, a hilarious ending. I love the end of this movie it made me laugh really hard and yet this movie got so lost in Act two. There's so many flashbacks. Maybe this is a peccadillo of mine. I don't like flashback told stories. They drive me up a wall, especially when they meander for so Mm -hmm. long. And the Persian version really got lost in act two, despite some good scenes and sequences. Like there's a mid movie dance sequence, loved it. I think this movie's gonna find an audience for Sony Pictures Classics. They really have good taste, but like that's the frustration of some of these movies. It's so good because you're dealing with the talented cream of the crop of the, of the young generation of filmmakers that Sundance always kind of puts forward. But then, yeah, you kind of fall off a ledge sometimes. They take some swings, I would say.
1: So the Persian version didn't do it for you. Fair Play is the other movie. It got sold to Netflix for a $20 million deal, which is a high watermark for a Sundance Festival purchase. A lot of people liked it, but you didn't. I'm one of the few. Now, Fair Play
0: had one of the best first hours of any movie at this festival. I was completely absorbed with what i thought was going to be a great thriller that would materialize and ultimately i'm you know i agree with the morals of this film i am you know by the end of it you know they date they take a very clear stance in the back half and it's a righteous one but what started out like as an episode of billions or succession where it's like all shades of gray And it's some 50 shades of gray, like a warped version of that, but Mm -hmm. all shades of gray where you're, you're in the satire of the, you know, financial world, the corporate politics, the gender politics. And it's really working towards what I thought was going to be like some inverted 1990s cat and mouse game where he's the overmatched mouse and she's the, you know, she's the one with all the power. And unfortunately like it just doesn't go there it's not that type of story and maybe it's a case of misplaced expectations on my part i wanted something that i didn't get and I, I still another movie i still give a solid grade to c plus b minus but fair play just a bummer like that was supposed to be the marquee movie and then when you go through seven or eight you know b minuses or c pluses in a row and this was supposed to be a big
1: a a minus that that's frustrating to me you know so like is is failed expectations or failure to meet expectations a lot of these bad grades for you it's it's definitely some of it because like i was saying you have
0: high moments to every film and that's the Sundance guarantee, right? You are dealing with the cream of the next crop. You are dealing with promising young filmmakers who make promising young women's and get outs, right? This is the future of filmmaking. So to get in this festival, the highs have to be high and somebody's got to champion your movie, right? In most cases, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have a, you know, a Nepo baby get in here. And that was like some of the frustrations of this festival. God, I, I, I'm never just because. Their mother's a filmmaker and a great one doesn't mean <laughs> they will be. Unfortunately, like that, like that happens. But other sure. than that, you got superlatives to like kind of each one of these movies. Like, there's a great scene or sequence or performance or something involved. And then, yeah, when it gets lost in the script phase or
1: whatever, it it, it is frustrating. And you'd All be right, superl- you have the same thing going. I on. I can't do this. I would never. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. I would I would watch the if I got to like my third straight C plus C movie. That's I'm going to just dive into a nearest ocean and never come it. You're up in forever. the right game. You're in the right game. We do
0: <laughs> we do horror that uh basically, you know, uh somehow is a pleasant surprise to you every time. Right? Right? And yep. then we you know, you only do schlock horror that will exceed your expectations Correct. or we do Oscar level movies yeah. that uh you know whether they exceed them or not, you have fun punching up or you have even more fun when you love a movie, I think. Yeah,
1: Avatar two sucked. Uh, <laughs> you talked about some of the superlatives that you would give out. So, is there Oscars level stuff with anything that you saw? I mean, talk about some production values that are high watermarks for you in some of these movies. There is. There absolutely is. I could see a ton of these
0: international films being short, uh, being long listed uh, through the international selection process, and Mami Wata. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly.
1: M-A-M-I-W-A-T-A.
0: Love, love the title. Love some moments in this film. And I love the cinematography. I love the makeup and hair styling. I love the costumes of Mami Wata. I, I thought it was terrific uh, in terms of the production values. Black and white striking uh, a hell of a, a film That w- it, with the highs of it. It's still, you know, again, Mike, it's a B-minus movie, but strong. Strong production values. Uh, a Little Prayer. Did not expect great cinematography from just this southern, you know, family drama, but here they are walking through the woods or walking, you know, taking a hike, and it's just gorgeous. Uh, Magazine Dreams, I did expect great cinematography with Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Majors, majors yeah. Bodybuilder, and. But it wasn't just like him on stage. It was all the rest of the cinematography that was, that really surprised me. And there's a lot of action scenes done really well in Magazine Dreams. So, and, and, and the editing, I thought. The way they edited that uh, would not surprise me at the end of the day to see some film editing credit to Magazine Dreams. But for, for certain, you get a lot of film editing props for the documentaries. One in particular that actually won the U.S. Jury Prize, Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni uh, project. The editing was next level. I'll get into it later. Uh, otherwise, Persian version, by the way, makeup and hairstyling costumes, very high level. Uh, just to actually just to give you a, the expanse of an entire cultural history, certainly through one like memoir, That's where the strength of the Persian version lied for me. And finally, like we toured a Mexican military academy in Heroic. So the production design of Heroic, they must have been on location because I'd never seen anything like it. Like this was such a unique place. Like their West Point, if that's their West Point, holy shit, what a place.
1: Yeah. So that's some of the stuff you could see being nominated in Oscars level uh, below the card. Let's go to above the card. Let's talk about some performances. We're, we're coming off a year where it's a great year for lead actress, and you think this could be shaping up to be another one, if Sundance is any indication.
0: Yeah, some big names really you know, came through. Zar Amir Ibrahimi, she just won the Best Actress at Cannes. Uh, Shida, she she was uh, the lead of this Iranian film, I believe, It's even though it's set in Australia. And Mother Daughter Story, I thought she was next level yet again I saw two films in this in the same week I saw Holy Spider and, and this one she was awesome uh Tiana Taylor of a thousand and one I'm gonna have a lot of superlatives for for that film coming up I thought she delivered she delivered lines in a way that I never expected she did the Leo DiCaprio thing for me. And I, I just thought, what do you mean by that? Well, you don't want to just kind of, otherwise you're going into soap opera, melodrama, whatever. You don't want to deliver lines. Like you're, you're, you're doing that. And she's got all these big emotional scenes. And yet like, she's quiet when you don't expect her to be. She's, she's, (laughs) you know, she's got this wise look on her face. So often where it's just like, yeah, the tell off scene delivered, uh, in a frenzy is one thing like you're not expecting that and then the you know the big emotional scene delivered like a tell-off scene is just michael corleone like and tiana taylor just her choices in this movie were fascinating i loved her uh in 1001 and then yeah i mean we're going to talk about mia goth uh and and from infinity pool i want to mention kitty manver of mama Cruz, really fun she did kind of the uh the uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand, Emma Thompson kind of performance there. Uh, kid child actor performances. Rosie Marchant of When It Melts, that movie was destroyed me, and she was incredible in it. De- uh, Deborah, Deborah Lucumena of Girl, Lily Gladstone of Fancy Dance. Really, I, I was uh, spoiled. And, and Lolo Campbell, uh, another child actor. I was really spoiled with the the best actresses in this one.
1: Show your head. A, a plethora of of actress performance and child actress performance it sounds like that are kind of rising to the occasion but i would think that anyone would say the centerpiece or at least one of the centerpieces of sundance was that jonathan major's film how was his performance there it's very joker like
0: it was walking phoenix
1: is that Joker-like. good
0: <laughs> i think so because holy god i mean the well the precision of it was was something else because you you obviously transformed his body for the role and he's flexing and he's going, it's such a physical performance on that to that extent. And then he's, he's showing you the mental illness up close and personal and there are waves of it. And there's a, certainly an arc to it. And he pulls it off. If, if not for him, this movie would have been an F because the the screenplay really does not work for me. If there's another one that falls apart, but because of his performance, I'm saying, okay, maybe, and I wonder what that means for his Oscar chances, because it, it's a hard sit, as many have said, and I agree with it. But I, I yeah, can't imagine
1: great. that. I mean, unless it gets like a late year release from a, a big distributor. I don't know if it has distribution already, but it does not year, yet. The year Jonathan Majors has lined up already, I, I would think that's just going to get lost in the, I mean, with Ant-Man and then Creed 3. I, I would think that's going to be something that might just get lost in the, the year that he's about to have.
0: I do wonder, like, they need a Sony Pictures Classics to get Magazine Dreams and put it over the top or maybe a Focus or Searchlight or something. I I don't know what it's going to take, but someone who really knows what they're doing to get Magazine Dreams, the festival play and whatever, they got to play it just right. But his performance is that good, so they could. But he didn't even win the performance award. That was uh, Leo Mihiel uh, from Mutt. He was... I thought he was—he had some high moments. It's it's, it's some funny moments. Uh, A lot of credit goes uh, to a trans actor paving the way uh, and and really trailblazing there. And just, just you know, in a a very strong kind of dramedy, I I thought uh, he did a really good job. And finally, David Strathairn in a little prayer. I'm going to talk about Alexander Skarsgard, but David Strathairn in a little prayer. A couple of big scenes. The only issue I have with a little prayer is like. His big emotional scene came right after Celia Weston's a big emotional scene, which came right after, you know, uh, another big emotion. Like, they stacked these scenes back to back to back. It's like everybody's Oscar reel playing back to back to back. That was frustrating, but otherwise, there you go.
1: So those are your lead. You have the lead actor. You have the lead actress. Uh, anything supporting-wise kind of stick out for you?
0: Well, Celia Weston is the big pull from A Little Prayer. Her Oscar reel scene is as good as any of I've seen in a long while it's on the couch opposite of uh, her husband in the movie, David Strathairn, and holy shit, I watched it, and then I tweeted about it, and, and this is why I'm never going to tweet ever again, because nobody <laughs> nobody cared. Like, like this is so obvious to me as an Oscars pundit. Like, this is a performance that's going to be there. It has to be. And here she is, just going off on that couch you have to nominate her, or she has to be in the mix, Celia Weston of A Little Prayer. This is from the director of Junebug, who f- discovered Amy Adams, and she's just had this stellar career. Weston, that we, I mean, look, we cannot ignore her for that one. Let's uh, let's put Celia Weston on the Oscars board for sure. Uh, In terms of a supporting actor, like William Catlett of A Thousand and One, probably won't get a ton of credit, but he really pulls off some delicate scene work in this one. I I'm I'm very impressed with his 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 abilities, and uh, he's he's hiding the ball a lot. And I I just again, a really strong screenplay from A Thousand and One. If I'm gonna tout any screenplay there. And William Catlett's doing a lot of the heavy lifting throughout that script.
1: Is Weston your biggest lock as far as anything that should be in the Oscars mix definitively?
0: Well, based on like the performance level, Jonathan Majors should be there. No question. I think uh, Zar Amir Ibrahimi is, again, on that level as well in terms of, like, newcomer performances, Tiana Taylor, and then those young actresses, Rosa Marchant and Lola Campbell, they should be in Best Newcomer Performances. So we we should see these names down the line. Uh, Oh, and like I said, Leo Mahil won the damn award uh, and well-deservedly. So that could totally uh, do, like, the breakthrough performance uh, circuit by the end of the year for Mutt.
1: All right. So we have a couple things that you expect to see, which is always not. I mean, it's it's nice to have those early and it's nice also when the centerpiece ones do kind of deliver on what their promise is. And I have seen universal praise for Jonathan Majors in that. So I hope he does have some kind of an Oscars uh, campaign coming out of that. He is, like I said, poised to have a huge year. Let's talk about something you were afraid of Mm -hmm. uh, and then you ended up embracing because your brain is just being corrupted every time you do another MMO episode with me. I'd like to take (laughs) credit for that. You <laughs> were scared of seeing Infinity Pool, which is the new Brandon Cronenberg neon movie. Uh, and then you did go see it, and you texted me like, God damn it, I liked it. What is wrong with me? And my response was, you just have class and taste. What <laughs> drove you to see it in the first place, and, and what made you end up liking it?
0: Well, like I said, I watched 31 movies in six days. And I I did two <laughs> days where I did eight movies in a row. Oh, right? my God, how? And then I, but then I did days where i squeezed in like triple features at night and i even did a day where i watched a midnight movie and then a 6 a.m movie just to squeeze it in mike it was Jesus crazy Christ. it was my best endurance so you were delirious test. is the answer i was this. delirious like, yeah, and were, i was addicted yeah. to movies at this point point. and then <laughs> i watch all of these movies i'm breaking my ass to get these 31 films in right and then everybody's talking about
1: infinity pool like film Twitter and all the people I love. Well, they, I on film mean Twitter. Alexander Skarsgård too, like showing up with a leather collar on and the red carpet, and being <laughs> being walked by Mia Yeah, you know that'll get you talking. This was the talk of the festival, and obviously they're la- you know
0: they're laying out the red carpet for a movie that's premiering that weekend, so it's like this short little burst of promotion. So this was the talk of film Twitter. So th- to
1: answer your question, it was peer pressure. <laughs> that was it, plain and simple. <laughs> you didn't. What was his Brandon Cronenberg's last one? Possessor was that the name of it? Yes, yes. You didn't like that. I did. I, I thought it was very unique. I despise Possessor. So you went into this probably with lower expectations. Is that why you liked it? Let's let's get a quick review here. Well,
0: I you have to wonder, don't you? Because I just watched. Thirty-one Sundance movies, twenty of which I kind of you were the Joker. You were turning into yeah. yeah. So I want like that's a caveat. You have to take that (laughs) grain of salt here. (laughs) However, I cannot ignore how much I enjoyed this "Eat the Rich" kind of satire. Hell yes, this this is sci-fi satire. I uh, look. I think the Triangle of Sadness rewatch was better. The Menu was a really strong movie on its first watch, and this is like an artsier. Sci-fi horror version of that kind of story that really works that hooked me from the beginning. There's a lot of satisfying twists and turns. It's messed up. Don't get me wrong. And you know, uh, trigger warnings or whatever. Like, if you, there's some probably probably some things here that if, if people are not going to like. Do
1: you like. need a tr- like a, a warning about a Cronenberg any crazy right. name blank Cronenberg film at this point? <laughs>
0: It's gross. It's definitely gross and it's messed up. But like Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgard, holy shit, they are in their prime, Mike. And like she can sing the high note, as uh, Pacino likes to say. And I never thought in a million years, I watched every episode of True Blood back in the day, and Skarsgard was like a himbo. He wasn't really, you know, doing it back then in terms of the acting. And here he is back to back, the Northmen, uh, and now and now infinity pool where i think he's he's going to be in the oscars conversation in the coming year so this was a unpleasantly pleasant su- surprise infinity pool b 86 all day
1: what was the uh the hbo show that he was in with uh, nicole kidman reese witherspoon <laughs> big, little uh, big, big little lies big little lies yes yeah. that's uh I, I that's what turned uh him around for me too from the, uh, yeah. the true blood guy to uh Boy he's got some range and I also hate his character There is he does he play a good guy or an antagonist Here
0: well he's kind of the A clockwork orange protagonist I forget the name of that character where He's dealing he's like your audience Surrogate going through this this nightmare for the first time and he's kind of embracing it and then he's not. And then, you know, it's, it's a more of a someone
1: while singing, singing in the rain is what you're saying? No, no, it's more (laughs)
0: Jesus. It's more of a survival story than you'd think. So I was pleasantly surprised by that fact as well.
1: All right. Well, that's good. I mean, we'll see if it shows up on your top 10. Let's run down a top 10 from you here at Sundance. Uh, Kind of a unique top 10 too, because like you said, you were out on some of the more popular films. Even Magazine Dreams doesn't show up in your top 10
0: right. And, and Infinity Pool is not going to be here because I made this up before i uh, I saw Infinity Pool on Monday night. So yeah, though this is just pure Sundance that I actually watched via
1: Sundance, yeah. All right. Number 10, you have Theater Camp. It's a Searchlight Acquisition. It's a winner of the U.S. Narrative Feature Competition's Best Ensemble Award. Theater Camp is directed by co-writer, director Nick Lieberman, stars co-writer, director Molly Gordon, co-writer Noah Gavin, Jimmy Tatro, Alan Kim, the Bears, Ayo Idibri. My apologies if I mispronounced that. Ben Platt, who you say has finally redeemed himself for Dear Evan Hansen.
0: (laughs) That's two movies in a row that I liked uh, Ben Platt performances. The People We Hate at the Wet which is not a great movie but he's really funny in it and then now theater camp so yeah Ben Platt Um, I'm thumbs up on Ben Platt and he's really funny in this uh, and he's and he's really playing well off of Molly Gordon, who's incredible as well. She's she's really funny, uh, and she, they have such a great ensemble. And this movie did win the ensemble award for good reason. Noah Galvin steals a lot of scenes. Super talented. He's like the grip. He's like the fix it. He's like the super uh, of all these theater plays, and he's doing all the behind the scenes set constructions, etc. And he's fixing. He's everybody's. You know, uh, what do they call that? A gopher. And mm-hmm. then he's also, like, he saves the the movie. So it's, it's really funny to watch his character kind of materialize. And then, yeah, I mean, this movie ends with a what you'd think. It ends with a big performance that is just impossible not to like. And you will be proud of me because this is like an awkward comedy to the T, Mike. Mm-hmm. And you know how I struggle with awkward comedy for long stretches. Yep. <laughs> and there's a lot of corny, weird jokes about YouTubers and TikTok idiots and that's all in this movie and, and it's you were able to the, keep up with it huh it's got Look the strangest friggin' tone ever and yet the the movie won me over because it's like a great coaching movie because these these are teachers of children and it's a great it's just a, a really great ensemble piece so I, I i liked it at the end of you know theater camps would be all day
1: it is a fun cast absolutely that's something that i would uh, be on the lookout for there i'm, I'm a little surprised it's not hired to, to be honest but the comedy was too awkward in spots for you I had to go through a couple stretches
0: where I was like, I don't know if, like, I'm cringing so hard with theater camp. But then it won me over. It made me laugh. It got me into its weird little world uh, that I really loved. And And it brought me in, too, because I wasn't a theater kid growing up, even though that should have been our destiny. Right. Like we, right. we're we're denied our destiny because we're forced <laughs> to play sports, etc., uh, and we're still living with that aftermath to this yeah, day. Hasn't had but any
1: repercussions on us mentally.
0: No, re- right. no psychological repercussions. Those were our people. We missed you all there. But no, I I got. Are we and the Mad Dog the Oscars for three hundred sixty-five yeah, right. days a year? <laughs> We I got an insight to that world. They brought me in. It, like this movie was an outreach to to weird you know weirdos like you and me. I thought so. That was fun.
1: Number nine was going to Mars. You mentioned this one already. You've alluded to it. The Nicki Giovanni project, the U.S. documentary competition jury prize winner. Say that three times fast. And a biographical documentary about the renowned American poet Nicky Giovanni. Go figure. And yeah, this is like a Sundance thing where I'm like, oh, I'll watch the space movie.
0: And then it's a movie about a poet. I'm such an idiot. But thank God I made this mistake because this is like civil rights history mixed with like this, the the history of like great American art. An artiste still touring, you know, and launching books to this day. I mean, you have such a charming force of personality. She is hilarious. She is entertaining. She is reading her poetry, which is worth the price of admission on you know stages across New York City, et cetera, et cetera, throughout this film, with a huge performance piece, spoken word performance piece at the end of it. And then, like I said at the the, the you know, earlier, you have some of the best editing of the festival. So I am very impressed with going to March, the Nikki Giovanni project, I, obviously so was the U S documentary competition jury. So this is going to be a player in terms of a biographical doc that is just so creative. I mean, it's just oozing creativity uh, out its eyes to where you, you cannot deny uh, from a documentary feature branch you cannot deny this movie being in the mix at the end of the year be all day I, I think if i could sit with it even more it'll be something to study as well
1: it's heartening that your number uh your number nine movie there is solidly in your b range too so it, it, you know
0: yeah. for
1: as negative as you may have started this episode you're you're coming around to landing in a softer spot with uh the best of what sundance had to offer
0: I, uh, I I was glad uh, to, to come around at the end of the day. And it, it helped, like, I did the awards pass at the end of it, Mike. So I caught, like, some of these movies late, just when I was really getting at my most fatigued. I watched a bunch of good movies in a row, which really good. helped.
1: Yeah, yeah, I imagine that'll... Uh... Good, watching good movies for a movie reviewer usually helps. The uh, that's all we want, yeah. right? It's just it's the moviegoer's prayer, right? Which transitions into this next movie. Another good one here, number eight. A little prayer. Hey, now uh, a family drama acquired by Sony Pictures Classics, starring David Strathern, Jane Levy, and Celia Weston, from the director of Junebug and Stone. Agnes McLaughlin. Uh, you again mentioned this one already. The premise reads: A man tries to protect his daughter-in-law when he finds out his son is having an affair. That's an interesting angle to take on the cheating movie.
0: Yeah, it was it was a hell of a, you know, little yarn here like this, this winds and twists and turns. And I didn't expect it to go in certain directions. There's a lull in this movie, like in early act two. That was a bit annoying and and frustrating. I wish they would edit that a little stronger and put like that pace, like that pacing slowness, like in between some of the stacked "oh my god" emotional blowout scene, "oh my god" emotional blowout scene, one after another, kind of towards the end of Act Two. Mm. So they there definitely some pacing issues with a little prayer, but high marks and Sony Pictures Classic classics pick this one up for good reason like I said performances are stellar uh, especially from Celia West Uh, Jane Levy's got a scene David Strathairn got a scene the the problem is they're all stacked on each other however but look a little prayer I think uh, it's more progressive than I I thought possible from a movie like this and the moralizing that you typically get from a, a film with this setting in the deep south is not what you get with this film so there's wow. a lot of there's a lot of like three sided dice in, in terms of this movie where you're kind of looking at it, at these issues from multiple angles. So slightly
1: above Hillbilly Elegy, you would this this.
0: way above <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy, which is black and white. And there's no room for interpretation. This one actually gives you something to bite into from a dr- dramatic perspective. David Strathairn
1: playing a southern accent. <laughs> yeah, he's all right.
0: right. I mean, that wasn't like, nobody had a huge Southern accent. I thought it was like North Carolina or something. Maybe all maybe right. South Carolina. I don't remember. Well,
1: well, at least you took time to insult all the Carolinas there. That was nice of you. <laughs> heroic, number seven, thing. a Mexican drama with a premise. <laughs> Luis, and, uh, and, yeah, I'm sorry, an 18-year-old boy with indigenous roots enters the heroic military college in hopes of ensuring a better future. There, he encounters a rigid and institutionally violent system designed to turn him into a perfect soldier. This is the one that you praise the uh, the onset must have been onset on scene and production design for. So
0: this is an intense and shocking look at the Mexican military academy experience, and it, and it is a hard set at times. Like there's bullying and hazing and violence that just goes overboard into criminality. But... I'm
1: glad that's all coming to a head, and not just through the uh, the lens of the U S. either. Like maybe there's right. a problem with the whole system of soldiering and how the masculinity has been. Yeah. <laughs> overhyped and over uh important over oh, the last you, you, uh, you know you, decades
0: you get that with heroic here yeah. and the, the the title is certainly kind of uh ironic and meta and crazy uh to, to when you come off of this one so heroic like to me this is just mexico flexing yet again with a film that you know should be an international selection it's, it's on par with a lot of the the very strong international selections for for international feature from mexico so i could totally see that uh mike you looked up the name of the 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 lead of this movie he was incredible i should have mentioned him earlier santiago
1: santiago sandoval is the first listed name on imdb under this yeah
0: well he's he's terrific so i didn't get a chance to see past lives but this was my favorite non-english language narrative feature of the festival b85 all day like i said should be in oscars contention down the line
1: uh, all right, very cool. So, you, you, I mean, you're covering a couple Oscars categories here, which is uh, nice to see again from Sundance, but we don't want to escape from the fact that they need to offer more if they're going to keep the online... Uh the online uh, sundance online as a part of their revenue producing stream especially for reviewers who can't make it out to sundance to be there in person but we continue on here number six on your list of the top 10 movies from sundance online is scrapper technically an international selection it's from great britain as it won the world cinema narrative feature grand jury prize for best film scrapper stars harris dickinson from triangle of sadness and has a premise that reads as such georgie A dreamy 12-year-old girl lives happily alone in her London flat, filling it with magic. Suddenly, her estranged father turns up and forces her to confront reality. And this is one of the mo- few
0: movies that I was able to take to my parents and watch it with them because they're always curious about watching some of these movies. And mm-hmm. it was a hit. It was it was a strange hit that actually had to win us over because it's a it's a father daughter story that does have to build up. But Harris Dickinson really plays a, a a fun dad at the end of the day, and child actress Lola Campbell uh, again, like in this strange role where she's actually doing some some nuanced acting early on and we've seen so many child actors not do this well that's why i'm being you know <laughs> my my tone is the wrong
1: tone but she does well, no i mean a... it, look we've talked plenty of times about how if a movie's going to rest on the ability of an acting ability of a child yeah. that it could make her break the entire film well she was wonderful she was
0: believable and like There are some outlandishly creative directorial and editing touches that some work and some don't. Like there's fantastical elements about a room she keeps, and it's really weird. She does this like Tower of Babel thing in there. I don't know if that quite worked for me, but Mm -hmm. some of the mockumentary comedy is fun, and they kind of do these long stretches where they they got like the girl's teacher just comes out and says something weird and crazy, and I, I like that. So. Solid B85 all day. The father daughter story works and like this is like mid middle of the festival for me. I'm exhausted. I take this over and show my parents. There's a lot of high stakes involved with that and Scrapper still worked for the whole room of us. So I was very grateful. B85. So is all day. it a family film? So yes, it winds up being and it's like this estranged father who comes home to take care of his daughter. After the mother dies and she is out maneuvering all of the social workers to the point where she's living on her own, scrapping, stealing bicycles. That's the premise of the movie. And he comes into this world where his daughter that he's never met is just living on the streets. And Mm. it's wild how that relationship, you know, transpires from that point.
1: Interesting. All right. That's a. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you. Is it so? Is I mean, you were able to watch it with your parents, or is it a movie? Mm-hmm. It's not a movie someone with kids could watch.
0: No, I think it it becomes this bizarrely sweet father daughter story. Okay, like so, yeah. I mean, like, would I recommend it for my brother? At the end of the day, it's just so a strange indie tone to the movie, and it right. takes and it takes some swerves, some some weird paths to get there. Like you wouldn't expect this movie to be a, a charmer by the end of it, but it is.
1: All right. Well, yeah. there's there's that clarity and my confusion notwithstanding, we're halfway home in this top ten list. Shortcomings is number five. A dramedy written and directed by Randall Park. We all know him from Always Be My Maybe, Fresh Off the Boat, Wandavision. Uh, he's great in everything he does. Justin H. Min, Sherry Cola, which is either the greatest name <laughs> or the greatest actor name of all time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Ali Maki star in a premise that we read last in our preview episode. It sounded like it was written about us. What did yeah. you think of the movie when you finally got your hands on it, Michael?
0: Really a refreshingly realistic take on the rom-com that I think of of all the movies I watched, you would appreciate because I, I th- do want to see this one. There are some abrasive characters who basically need to learn the hard way. And you don't get the typical rom-com story to teach them good. And I think, like you would bang the table for a movie like this. Now, is are these characters so curmudgeonly that it's hard to love them at the end of the day? I don't know, but the performances are great, the scenes are wild, the the story worked for me. Uh, you get great cameos from randall park himself and then jacob Battleon battleon from spider-man sonoya mizuno of ex machina veeps timothy simons a lot of it's fun he brings a lot of his hollywood friends star power into this uh but like all the hollywood bullshit that we kind of attacked and you especially don't like mm-hmm. about rom-coms it's in play here i think you'd like it
1: good <laughs> glad somebody finally had the guts to tell the truth about that genre you get it here my friend shortcomings something you were very high on and have spoken glowingly about the documentary of little richard little richard i am everything
0: yeah, I just want to praise Lisa Cortez, the director here. She's a longtime producer, uh, and she actually had two hits at the fun uh, at the Sundance. The fashion icon uh, Beth Ann Hardison got a bio documentary as well uh, called uh, "Invisible Beauty," and this was and "Little Richard, I Am Everything." Was her directorial. Uh, uh, Submission at Sundance that just worked so well. Like this was another one of the movies I brought to my parents. They love this movie. Uh, Little Richard is obviously going to bring the hits and you get all those and you get a, a great musical documentary. But what I didn't expect was so many subplots just fully flushed out here. Like you get this chronicle of, of all these musical eras, especially like the uh, from the onset of rock and roll and, and how – you know, Little Richard influenced Elvis and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And, but then you get like, you know, this loaded and complex story about his sexuality and identity. You get this intense movie about uh, his faith, his Christian faith, which I had no idea about. Hmm. And then of course you get like, Uh, just a serious sobering look at show business and how they took advantage of of black creators and superstars at that time and you you get this overarching tale of his legacy struggling with like you know the hubris of him touting himself as the best ever but then the, the 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 real wound woundedness of why he's doing that because so much was just stolen from him like all his all his rights were stolen from him and his money was stolen from him for so many years. So, like, this is as educational as it was entertaining. Little Richard, I Am Everything, Uh, just one of the better films. It's going to come out, I believe, on HBO Max at the end of the day. Magnolia bought it. So, really really good movie.
1: Look out for it. There's a whole plethora of, like, I don't want to say forgotten, but like undervalued or underserved, especially black entertainers from the 50s yeah. and 60s. I mean, I would love to see a documentary about Little Richard. I would love to see a documentary about Chuck Berry, people like that. I mean, Aretha Franklin could fit into that. We just had her; she had totally. a bit of a renaissance a couple of years ago, so I, she's one of the more famous ones. But there's a whole – you know, Chubby Checker, there's a whole bunch of people that I think there's a, a, a wealth of entertainment enter, – would you edut, edutainment? Is that the word? where you can kind of bring it up to a new uh, generation that may not be familiar with them. Uh, Glad to see that's happening. And Ma Rainey,
0: Ma Rainey shows up in this movie too.
1: No, that's awesome. Great. All right. Uh, Number three is beyond utopia. It follows North Korean families as they attempt to escape oppression, revealing a world most of us have never seen.
0: So this is acquired by MTV films. It'll wind up on Paramount plus, which has jumped into the documentary game in a huge way i think with their streaming service paramount plus so look out for beyond utopia being a, a player from that perspective and i gotta be honest like this is towards the end of the festival where i'm really fatigued and i'm shamefully kind of like putting this doc together you're getting to watch it yeah I'm, I'm struggling and yet this movie snapped me out of that and even and though i this in your top three I couldn't take all of it in because it was so harrowing and terrifying. Like these true stories are documenting some serious degrees of evil that I, I remember being like, I forget who described this, like the kid in the fireworks, you know, celebration at the end of the night, just going to sleep. We had a guest. I believe she was a psychologist anyway. She was a great guest. We should get her back. Mm. She described kids doing that. And then I kind of did that in this movie. I shut off. Like this was like serious levels of, you know, like the Nazis and ISIS and they haven't reached this level, you know, to. That North Korea is at—it's just awful. To the point, you are where also he,
1: famously, and you have said many times that you get your news takes primarily from documentaries. Yeah, yeah. So here I am,
0: like living some of this for the first time, and, I, and right. I'm, I'm aware of North Korea, obviously, but I, not to, <laughs> well, like yes. this. At one point during the movie, like the, one of the survivors is saying, like we lived like worms, Ugh. and you believe her. Because you saw so much. Like, how did they get this footage? You saw it firsthand of what they're dealing with. And then you everybody's putting all these talking heads who are, are not just talking heads. Because you realize there are people who got through it and got away and somehow survived all this nightmare. They got out. And they're giving you their firsthand accounts of it. So this, you have to be ready for a, a serious sit. But I hope Beyond Utopia reaches as wide an audience as possible. And this is one of those documentaries that I really need to study at the end of the day because it worked. It's a survival story, like the rescue kind of deal. And it, it also gives you this look into this problem, this societal problem. Do they talk about how that seen. footage got out of the country? I, I don't remember them talking about it. So it's it's one of those feats of Korea, journalism.
1: is famously you know, shunning the, the rest of the world, especially Western they
0: civilization. talk about how they, th- about the restrictions. They talk about how they don't even allow cell service there. And they talk about, I mean, they, they tout kind of what they had to go through to get some of the footage in a sense, or I guess what they must've had to go through, but right. they don't praise themselves, these filmmakers, and how they did this. Crazy.
1: Definitely yeah, an intrigue.
0: Wild, episode. wild watch B plus all day, really strong.
1: A Thousand and One is number two. It's the winner of the U.S. Narrative Competition Grand Jury Prize. Focus Features had purchased this highly touted A.V. Rockwell debut before the festival, and it did not disappoint you. Uh, You uh, loved it. Sundance juries and Sundance audiences loved it as well. A Thousand and One star Tayana Taylor, which you already praised, William Catlett, and a trio of young actors that played the character of Terry. Uh, The premise reads, it is based on an audacious and free-spirited Ines, who is convinced of the necessary crime on the path to redemption and kidnaps six year old Terry from the foster care system. Good God. Yeah, so it's a an incredible
0: start where she gets out of prison and then she kidnaps uh her her son Terry and from the foster care system. So she's this is a decade spanning movie where we're watching her kind of elude capture in this darker sense. boyhood. It, yeah, it's really it's it, it's an incredible story that just goes through it. You go through a lot of twists and turns with it. I I thought this was the best screenplay of any of the narrative features, so it's no surprise to me that Focus Features would would be in charge of it. Uh, I I praised Tiana Taylor already. This is coming out March thirty first, which I was a little surprised by, but maybe a thousand and one is kind of taking a note from Everything Everywhere All at Once and other films that have done well enough. Off the backs of a of, of a you know winter film festival to eventually get Oscars legs, but this movie should have them. I, it's really well done. The best narrative feature I saw at Sundance, hands down. I think the uh, U.S. jury got it exactly right. Uh, the the grand jury there, and uh, I'm rooting for a thousand and one to have legs. I, like I said, I'm a little weirded out by the release date, but I'm hoping uh, maybe maybe they'll push it. And uh, we'll get this more than an Oscar date or fair. Fuck it. Let's get Oscar movies all the year round, right? Well, we that's, a, that, I mean, too. you
1: wonder, you wonder too if that's where this is headed because, I mean, obviously we talk about Disney's domination of the calendar with all their studios now and taking all the, the holiday dates. And uh, obviously the bigger studios try to push their stuff towards the end of the year. Maybe the A24 is in the Focus features, even though Focus is owned uh, by our bigger studio. But, you know, maybe they're going to try to put some of these stuff out earlier and just try to ride yeah. their momentum maybe the 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 path is being set out by the codas and the uh the everything everywhere is sure. that's the hope now
0: I, I I hope
1: that's uh I hope that's true too that's my hope as well yeah. I agree so number one we finally arrived to the top of the list your favorite movie from Sundance 2023 is the eternal memory it's the winner of the world cinema documentary grand jury best film prize why I mean could they not shorten these categories for best films down-hmm <laughs> Good yeah, God. they need
0: some naming. They should just come up with a, a simple... <laughs> like the Golden Cinema Frog
1: Documentary Grand Jury Best... <laughs> C- seven words to, is the name of that that one yeah, award. Sorry. All right. Uh, the premise reads, Augusto and Paulino have been together for 25 years. Eight years ago, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Both feared the day he no longer recognized her. Uh, it, it was a world premiere. You saw it. It's available online now. This is uh, tear-jerking stuff. So, the eternal memory begins
0: like on this charm offensive the the mole agent has nothing on this movie just an adorable (laughs) an adorable movie about the aging process that does have to go into darker territory and more dramatic territory because these subjects are going through hell not only during the pandemic where she's forced to care for her husband you know on her own uh with this disease but but certainly as you know as he declines you you have to face some of the the raw issues of this and we've seen it portrayed in movies like away from her and you know I, i've had personal experience in my life and i know you have as well mm-hmm. so i can relate to to some of the down and dirty and the ugly now this movie does it in a in a much classier way than you know the the reality is sometimes, and I think that obviously makes for a much more uh, much more manageable viewing experience. And I could not I could not believe how this movie impacted me throughout its its movements, like its waves. It's I mean it it clearly has a catharsis. Like this movie has a catharsis, like the Notebook for Christ. I was sake. just
1: gonna say, did Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams show up or? Yeah, this is
0: like the level. Like fifty first dates is like the beginning of this movie. You go through away away from her. You end with the notebook to give people some cinematic. Oh, God, um, I I'm so impressed with how I, I shouldn't be because Paulina is like this lifelong actress, and she was like the the champion of uh, Chilean cinema. I think uh, to to the point where she had a leadership positions in the the arts you know for the government there after after they got through you know the the nightmarish uh, dictators and he was a journalist and he was you know this this published author this new york times best-selling author for for, for so many years and it's so you have these two high-level people going through this and just such a beautiful romantic comedic look at sometimes and then obviously just this dramatic heft of a movie that just landed. I think this should be an Oscar. I mean, like if the documentary feature branch snubs the eternal memory, that's what I'm really going to just, then they'll be done for me. Can I, can I put that, can I lay (laughs) down that?
1: It's about time you did something. (laughs) Yes.
0: It's such a beautiful way to tell this story, to make it consumable for, for everyday people out there. It's not going to, it's, it's going to be as heartwarming as it is heartbreaking. And that is no small feat and i have to i have to give the champion beyond uh beyond utopia any and the eternal memory as two documentaries uh you know little richard i am everything for that matter those are three documentaries that i just thought were the 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 tip top of sundance this year i was very impressed with all of them i
1: uh you, you did a great job on selling me on some of these too i don't know that i'll i mean Alzheimer's stuff is really touchy for me and it it makes me very sad Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to watch that but you did a great job of selling it but Beyond Utopia is definitely something I want to see I definitely want to see the the Jimmy Tatro Molly Molly Gordon uh, awkward comedy (laughs) movie that you talked about back there dark boyhood you did a great job of selling me on too I, i'm terrible remembering the names of these films what was dark fa- boyhood again
0: a thousand and one yeah, and it, one, it, yeah. It, it went to some dark places but it, it again it just pays off so well i was so thrilled that a young filmmaker could really just surprise me and fool me just blatantly fool me in a script and she did that and i have to watch shortcomings I just, you know,
1: and if if it falls too much into rom-com territory, I will be coming for Randall Park. I feel like that's fair for me to plant my flag in as well.
0: I, I think you're okay there.
1: <laughs> Let's run through some of the stuff that you did not get to as a kind of quickly to wrap up here. Uh, we'll review the reviewers. We'll talk about some uh, some quotes from movies that debuted at Sundance that Mike did not have a chance to see. And we'll talk about well, some of the ones that had the biggest buzz. Uh, maybe the biggest buzz of any of them came from past lives, an A24 drama written and directed by Celine Song. It has a 100% Rotten Tomato score right now. It's got a 95 Metacritic score. My Lord, that's like beyond mm-hmm. Oscars type level stuff. Uh, Greta Lee from The Morning Show. TOU from Decision to Leave, John Magaro from First Cow. Nora and Hey Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. Twenty years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny.
0: Are rest apart. Look at that premise, yeah making, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Past lives, past lives is destined to be one of the best movies of 2023. That's from Chris Evangelista, an exquisite original. David Rooney of the Hollywood Reporter, and the story is simple, but there is beauty in its layers, its performances, and the heart-wrenching and deeply moving connection between its characters. That's from May Abdulbaki of Screen Rant.
1: Is that a South Korean movie?
0: Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I'm not positive, but uh, I thought so. Yeah, South
1: Korea don't miss.
0: They're just. Uh, I'm so impressed with their.
1: They're. They're. Work. They are the stories They are where the original story. I mean, I like I said. It's when the '70s. South Korea right now reminds me of America cinema in this in the early mid '70s with all these studios just taking chances on these wild ass stories that bring us. You know chinatown and Mm serpico and all that stuff uh polite society written and directed by nira manzor it's got a 90 percent on rotten tomato a 76 metacritic score right now Uh, does go to focus features ria khan believes that she must save her older sister lena from her impending marriage after enlisting her friend's help she attempts to pull off the most ambitious of all wedding heists in the name (laughs) of independence and sisterhood it's going to release april 28th in the u.s april 7th in the uk
0: As inspirational as it is entertaining, Polite Society is a strong debut for Manzor and a rallying cry for a whole swath of brand new stars
1: to champion. That is Kate Erbland of IndieWire. Polite Society has the same bouncy energy as Manzor's excellent television show, We Are Lady Parts. Her protagonist is self-assured and bold. A worthy addition to the lineage of Indian protagonists Mindy Kaling has made commonplace. That's from Kate Young of 30 Flirty and Film
0: love that title we gotta go check out 30 (laughs) flirty and film Uh, Sundance has been renowned for these fun genre bending discoveries clearly get out an American psycho you know that so I was like bummed out that polite society wasn't available to me that's why I would say if I get one major criticism give us more midnight screenings to watch please Mm -hmm. Sundance programmers Uh, Passages is the next movie I want to draw attention to this is Frank Rogowski Ben Wishaw, Adele Exarchopolis Uh, this is a love triangle drama film from Ira Sachs, uh, director of Frankie and Little Men. It has a 94% on the tomato meter with a premise that reads about two men who've been together for 15 years and what happens when one of them has an affair with a woman. Huh. This is a signature new drama from the director whose best work is at once both generously tender in its brutality and unsparingly brutal in its tenderness. The raw and resonant Passages is the kind of mess around and find out love triangle that rings true. That's David Ehrlich. Listen to that review. Yeah. Almost musical from IndieWire.
1: Yeah. Uh, Passages is going to be another movie play. Movie making some moves lately. Good for them. Uh, Flora and Son is next. That's Joseph Gordon Levitt, Jack Rayner from Midsommar. Uh, Eve Hewson, directed by John Carney of Sing Street, Once and Begin Again. It follows Flora, a single mom who is at war with her son, Max, trying to find a hobby for Max. She rescues a guitar from a dumpster and finds that one person's trash can be a family's
0: salvation. An easygoing delight. That's from Karen James of The Hollywood Reporter. Carney's lively energy, flippant humor, and embrace of earnestness makes his latest work sing. That's Jordan Raup of the film stage. And look at, I mean, Florence Sun was one of the big hit acquisitions of the festival. This was over 20 million,
1: uh, according to many reporters, by Apple. Saw a lot of people praising that one, too, and giving Joseph, uh, Joseph Gordon levitt his flowers for uh, being a tender uh, role there. Radical is where we will go next. That's starring Eugenio Derbez, and apparently a huge ensemble of very talented child actors uh, won the Festival Favorite Sundance Audience Award. Written and directed by Christopher Zala, the premise reads, Based on a true story, Radical follows a teacher in a Mexican border town full of neglect, corruption, and violence as he tries a radical new method to unlock their students' curiosity, potential, and maybe even their genius. I
0: really wanted to see this one. I can't wait for it. Otherwise, I do want to mention a bunch of films that I saw land on film Twitter. 824. They had the horror film Talk to Me that got picked up. Uh, then they had they picked that up. And then A24 Dramas, Earth Mama, All Dirt Roads. Uh, Taste of Salt and Nicole Hall of Center's You Hurt My Feelings were all extreme. Uh, received extremely well. Uh, Searchlight had like the film Twitter champion of the weekend, I thought, and Rye Lane, a romance that everybody seemed to, to love and that mm. seemed like a huge hit. And then a bunch of documentaries that also wound up on a lot of top ten lists, Michael. Millis Suthando, uh, Invisible Beauty that I mentioned before. The Michael J. Fox movie, Still, was really well received. That's coming out soon on Apple TV+. And The Deepest breath i believe it's a cave diving movie a movie about spelunking perhaps spelunking on, on netflix uh, i love to say that word so do you uh so th- those movies i just just in my general sense with what i was able to follow seem to be big
1: hits so let's finish up with uh something that was expected to be a big hit maybe it's more divisive and it seemed to be a, a bit polarizing out there Eileen. Director William Oldroyd's drama, starring Anne Hathaway and Thomasin McKenzie, a woman's friendship with a new co-worker at the prison facility where she works, takes a sinister turn. Some reviews. Eileen is two-thirds of a great movie. That from Brian Rowe of In Session. Uh, Eileen is a lopsided dramatic thriller that aims for tawdry shock value Over a cohesive narrative That's Jeff Nelson Former uh, relief pitcher For the New York Yankees In the mid-90s Also of Showbiz Cheat Sheet I I don't know if that's The same person I imagine it's not
0: A few more uh, That that are so intriguing Like uh, because the film Isn't invested in truly uh, and being truly queer, it doesn't properly explore it. And instead, it turns into a story of another quote-unquote crazy girl. That's from Shelley Nicole of Auto Straddle. And look, I mean, Eileen still nabbed like an 81% in Rotten Tomatoes. And, and some of these are very strong reviews uh, from happy critics. The Big Picture podcast liked it quite a much, as did critics from the New York Post and Rolling Stone. Uh, but Eileen also had like these strange reviews from other critics as well, Uh, where, you know, you just don't know how to to take it. But I I do want to give one more good review. Uh, This came from Ross Bonami, as I'm guessing how you pronounce his name, from uh, Collider, or I'm just trying to speak French and always failing. (laughs) Eileen is an intriguing little story that shifts and alters the further it goes, playing with the audience and giving them the opposite of what they're expecting. So that could lead to divisive reviews, I'm sure. I, I can't wait. Like, this is the one that I can't wait to see. I know you mentioned Theater Camp. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, the the shortcomings. Any other others jump out to you, maybe, of this last section that you're saying, all right, got to see this based on the reviews?
1: The, the easy answer is, past lives because i'm just <laughs> everything i watch from south korea is just awesome. gold yeah i mean that's, well, that's a I, cop-out I definitely... answer I, I i feel bad giving you that but that's my answer and i'm sticking to it
0: well do you want to see eileen now that uh i'll half, tell you what it, 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 it's, is anne
1: hathaway it, she's had this is like the second movie in a row now that was supposed to be a festival darling or mm-hmm. that had a lot of hype going into it and then once it hit a festival people were like oh what was the first one? I forget. It was supposed to be an oh, Oscars you're player one. Yeah, doing this. I to know. Me. I know. I can't you're, remember it off the top. Well, was it Armageddon time. It? Is it Armageddon time? No, before that. Before that, it was a couple years ago. Hmm.
0: How many Anthony Hopkins movies has, has Anne Hathaway done? Maybe
1: she wasn't. Right. Maybe Anthony Hopkins wasn't in it.
0: But uh, uh, previous, she has done Eileen, Armageddon time,
1: Lockdown, Dark Waters, Mike. No, am I getting her confused with fucking Blake Lively? I thought there was one. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Colossal?
0: No, I'm not. I mean, Interstellar? I mean, going way back? Oh, no, no. Wait maybe a minute. I'm you're fine. caught in 2003. Yeah, I got to go way I, you know, back. Maybe I'm
1: thinking, maybe I am c- confusing her with Blake Lively from uh, that one about the band. It's the rhythm section. It. The rhythm section.
0: The rhythm section is yeah. not about a band. Not well. That's it's that's. I know it's not. About, I know it's not about a
1: band. But that's <laughs> what I. I was trying to relate it in my mind. <laughs>
0: it's about the rhythm section was about a spy. Yes. Was that a big festival rollout? Maybe it was. It e had a lot of Marano. Oscars hype. Yeah, it did have a lot of Oscars uh, hype originally, and then maybe that's our fault. But it, yeah.
1: No. Am I, am I, wow, I, all right, apologies to Anne Hathaway, I'm way off, maybe I just still have Serenity in my mind, I haven't forgiven I, her for it, it. It's possible, it's quite possible, I yeah. wouldn't blame you for that. <laughs> well, I'm glad we landed there. <laughs> so, the the moral of the story, Serenity, bad movie. <laughs> Serenity, not great. <laughs> uh, all right, true moral of the story here, Mike. Mm-hmm overall satisfaction one to ten how satisfied were you with this year's uh, sundance online
0: you know what i got what i needed out of it i think because i i got ahead of some oscars prognosticating i i'm not happy i spent so much money and and the the problem with this festival is so much effort like i really had to cram stuff in and maybe that's a me problem it's probably a me problem because i just didn't have the time that i usually do and i was the last thing he wanted mike that, oh, that is, yeah, Yeah, the D. Reese movie. I, I'm yeah. not an idiot. Everybody else is <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> I don't remember the D. Re- I, but I do remember that one. was We yes. really projecting it. Yes. God. And when I say we were projecting it, I'm guessing that now it was you. Who I was, was, was thinking
1: in my head I'm going to have to cut that whole section, and now I have to leave it in because I was right.
0: <laughs> well, less editing uh, for you there. But uh, to answer your question, this Sundance was taxing. And I'll be honest okay. with you, I would love, and, and again, I think I'm a more, sa- I like to think I'm more of a savvy watcher and I can pick yes, pick them a little I would, more. I would agree
1: with that. Yeah,
0: it, it was, it was a Sundance that kind of was disappointing on the whole, however, bright spots. And I did discover some really awesome movies and some awesome watches. And I have to remind myself sometimes you got to rewatch some of these because it's when it's movie six of eight on the day mm. that's hard to do and it's that's you're not in the best headspace to watch a movie so oh you think <laughs> i'm gonna have two sets of words of wisdom but that's probably one of them them for So the so maybe just don't watch eight a,
1: movies in a single day <laughs>
0: yeah maybe don't do yeah. that maybe yeah. don't do that as a, as a viewer but i did that i did this for no i didn't i did this because i'm a sick man <laughs> but i also at least i wanted to get it out there on the podcast so so we did that we did our job today Mike.
1: No, yeah, I mean it's a worthwhile review. I wish you didn't have to spend as much money either. And uh we'll we'll see what happens on next Sundance. It's going to be interesting to chart like how this year's let's say drop in quality compared to previous Sundance online affects you going forward with any kind of Sundance online offerings, especially seeing what they do offer next January if they're going to yeah. keep up with the uh, the online arm of this. I
0: wonder. I wonder and uh yeah, I mean the slate this year, it might have just been the cross section, and I took too. I mean, mm. that that's always the the worry. But I think it's kind of easier to navigate. Like if I had all the movies that played in person that got rave reviews, I would have bought tickets to many of those. Right. right? right. And th- those good reviews. I mean, it's it, there's a higher. I also hit rate.
1: wonder who they're hurting. Like, <sighs> this is such well, a, there, a there, hot somebody's, take. But, but, look but it, like if they, the if they offered some of the headline, yeah. if they offered some of the headlining names online, it's not like the people that, you know, IndieWire isn't going to not go to Sundance
0: because yeah, they can get is, it online.
1: If, if you can get everything online,
0: are you going to ever go to Sundance? No. No. So but am I going to, am I ever going to go to
1: Sundance anyway? You, maybe not. I mean, we might. I might. Well, yeah, we might, but maybe not. And uh, I mean, they, wouldn't they rather have some of my dollars than none of my dollars? I don't know. I think they're
0: they're trying to build back. I mean, I get why they had to do. And I appreciate that they still left most of the stuff online. But I get why they had to, to keep some for in-person. I, I mean, we get that, right? I mean, it, it, they're not just going to become an online festival. No, but I would, say, the... I
1: would say take two or three instead of taking, you know, a lot that they seem to this year. Like, take two or three headlining films. Keep those for in-person only. Let the rest go online. They probably did like 24. And then I heard from a lot of, you know, critics who got the press credential
0: that some of those films were available on the, you know, the critic service. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I just did it all wrong and I just hate application processes so much that I didn't want (laughs) to – I will actually pay the money I paid not to – fill out of applications. The interns just we aim.
1: hire one day are going to have the most unique niche jobs. <laughs> we suck at social media. We Can you suck just post
0: on Twitter for us? Just handle all my applications, Please. <laughs> Like we need that. We need a producer, man. Right. We need one. <laughs> so bad. It's like that's gonna be the goal for the next year. Like, I think we're big enough now to get one. Somebody that actually gets some real and experience. Also, so video if you're listening. Editing. If you could do video yeah, editing, that'd be great. If you you are listening and you wanna help two old A holes <laughs> out. Uh, we are going to offer a paid position at some point, and yeah, we should. And do sure, it. some
1: of those weeks will be paid in sandwiches and meatballs, but you know,
0: <laughs> like yeah, like the wedding singer. No, like, we got we got to do it. We
1: have to yes. do it. We're idiots. Uh, I'm yeah, glad we especially. went on a couple tangents here at the end of this Sundance episode. But the uh, <laughs> the moral of the story: Sundance Online maybe a step down in 2023 than it was in 2022. We'll keep an eye on how that goes going forward. But as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts. Did you participate in person or on the online experience of Sundance? Let us know. We want to know your thoughts on any of these movies that you saw. And if you haven't seen them yet, if you're uh, like me, what are you looking forward to? Did also Mike sell you on anything that maybe you weren't looking forward to? Uh, Let us know all that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can, as always, leave us those on our social media as we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at M-M-N Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. .com. And on Reddit, we're available wherever you do hear podcasts. You're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, those go a long way in helping us out a ton. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Mike, you gave your first piece of wisdom. Let's have another words of wisdom to end on here, and let's uh, let's tell the good people what's coming next from MMO.
0: Well, next we're going to do an Oscar Ace checkpoint on the Andrea Riseborough situation on the WGA and Ace Eddie awards nominations and the DCU announcement from James Gunn. So we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about uh, and end our week with. Uh, Otherwise I do want to shout out, a show that we just guested Mm -hmm. on the both of us. It's called show me the money on the sports gambling podcast network. We guested alongside hosts Nick Turner and Pat Stango, who were a lot of fun to talk to. Absolutely. Who who were funny in their own right. And who do a show that we kind of do at times in terms of just, Award season betting and gambling and they had us as the first guests ever on their show now these guys are well-versed in podcasting they both have you know are veterans of many podcasts in their own right and uh, they're both comedians and writers uh, ones in new york ones in la so this is not their first podcast so they're, they're pretty seasoned vets in that game and yeah we just had a, a really fun conversation i think it was late at night i was a little kooky <laughs> I would say I was definitely kooky. I was watching the end of the Nick game right there in there was like the last few seconds. So the beginning of the podcast, I'm just like laying back. I'm just like Aah! just yelling at the TV because I had to watch the end because again, that's a sickness as well. Being a Nick mm-hmm. fan, yeah, sure. As, we, is. as Clayton Davis has established, yeah. uh, it finally let out the bag here, yeah. But, yeah, no. So it's wise not to be a Nick fan as well. What are we talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. Be sure to go check out the Show Me the Money podcast there, uh, and we're going to have our own gambling episodes as we always do, uh, especially in the lead up and a couple times probably throughout this process until Oscar Sunday, uh, as we will mm-hmm. comment on the odds and how they're ever changing and ever shifting.
0: Definitely, we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did, it. We did the Sundance episode. I did it. No, <laughs> thank you. you. Did I it. thank you, you it <laughs> for ha- letting me do this? And I, I, I don't want you to let me do it again.
1: <laughs> I will do my best, guys. When reality or the film festival online experience sucks, <laughs> no, it did totally suck. Some of it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.